Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Sapiniak. Hey, Kit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We hope that you are having a very blessed day. Remember, you can catch us every week right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. But if you do miss an episode, catch us online, mncatholic.com dot org forward slash podcast where you can check out our entire archive of nearly a hundred episodes. In today's episodes we have another feature in our Catholics at the Capitol segment in which we talk with a Catholic who is living out their call to faithful citizenship right here in Minnesota. We'll be speaking with Mike Franklin, the new mayor of Jordan, Minnesota, a great town in Scott County on the Minnesota River. In our mailbag segment we answer a question about the people who have migrated to the United States And, of course, we want to leave you with some practical tips on how you can start to put your faith into action. In our Bricklayer segment, we further examine how you can engage with politics on the local level. And listeners, if you have an idea for a Bricklayer segment, send that our way. Or maybe you just have questions about how faith and politics are interacting. Let us know what your questions and ideas are. Shoot me an email, show at mncatholic.org, or find us on social media. Just search for Minnesota Catholic Conference. We are now joined on the line by Mike Franklin. Mike is a public affairs professional with the Weber Johnson firm. He's a longtime player at the Capitol and someone who works with organizations to help galvanize forces for political change. But he was also recently elected mayor of Jordan, Minnesota, after serving on the city council there for many years. We're delighted to speak with Mike today about uh, the work of the Capitol, what goes on there, how he brings his faith into his public life, and at the same time, the challenges of being a mayor in a town in Minnesota and the opportunities that exist therein and why Catholics should think about local politics as an avenue for political engagement. Mike Franklin, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. I'm, the pleasure's all mine, Jason. Hi, Kit. Nice to meet you guys. Or to meet, meet you, Kit, and talk to you, Jason. Great. You've been involved, Mike, with many different aspects of government work, from government relations to grassroots organizing and galvanizing. Uh, what made you want to step into the ring as a public official yourself? <laughs> Well, uh, I'm unemployable, and so, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it really, it's as close as I've ever had in my life as a manifestation of a true call to service. I've been doing this a long time on behalf of other people, a kind of a combination of some local issues that affected me personally, and specifically a, uh, a project that impacted my property, alongside a few folks in, in my small town of Jordan, you know, getting to know them and having them kind of describe to me the, the current state of things on the city council just kind of came together and I, I felt like I could be useful and uh, try to bring that with me rather to my, uh, to my current role as well. Sometimes it's just a, a personal issue or something that happened to you in your local community that galvanizes people to run. Uh, Mike, what's been the most surprising thing uh, that you've encountered in, in serving in municipal government, uh, and what lessons do you think it might have for some other folks? To be honest, I think, Jason, that uh, I expected a lot more direct involvement. And I want to, if, if I can leave your listeners today with something, it is to do that, to be involved, especially at your local level. There's a maxim that's famously associated with Tip O'Neill that says all politics is local. For most of my career, I've started to become afraid that that's no longer true, that, that, that all politics has become national 
And that, there's some real downsides to that, obviously, uh, that we can we can explore. But I, I really, truly expected there to be a lot more of a healthy kind of democratic involvement. And there is some of that, but I think there could be and should be more. And so I'm, I'm hopeful to spark that uh, among the, uh, my fellow citizens and, and maybe some of your listeners. Catholics get hung up and wrapped around the pole, and rightfully around a bunch of big moral questions. But oftentimes we get focused and sidetracked that we think that those are discussed and adjudicated at the national level, when in fact sometimes they're state issues or even local issues. And so we need to refocus perhaps uh, our, our gaze of reference on local politics. Mike, say a little bit about the day-to-day issues that you work with as a mayor and, and as your time on city council. It's, it's, it's really the case, it seems, that local politics is the one that has the most day-to-day impact on people's lives. It's not necessarily the big national issues that, that drive the things going on in, in everyday people's lives. And I think that's, that's right, and it should be that way, you know, that the things that affect us in our community are also the things that you as an individual and you and your and your faith community and any community that you, you know, that you affiliate with in your local life can have the most say over. And, and, and that's where I want to I want to be empowering. I pulled up just for reference. We, we had a council meeting last night, which was actually kind of a, a quiet meeting, but also a fairly typical one. We, we, we heard from our uh, community education and uh, a rec center director on the sort of current state of affairs uh, of both our, our building, but also the program, which in light of COVID has was really a kind of an interesting conversation. We talked about moving mainline gas infrastructure around uh, because it's, a, it's sort of a visual blight and we have the opportunity to do it because of some road building projects. We looked at the state of uh, the rental properties in our town, and we have an ordinance that deals with a lot of that and what changes might we uh, want to uh, undertake with that. And then we, we spent some time uh, talking about paving alleys. And all of that sounds pretty local and boring, but if you think about it, these are the these are the things you encounter every day. You know, your your community center, the infrastructure that you drive around on or look at when you go through town, and how we interact with our neighbors, our brothers and sisters who are renters and landlords in our community. What kind of rules and regulations should we have uh, with respect to those folks? And there's lots of ways for Catholics to have uh, a lot to say about those issues that will matter to your neighbors tomorrow. Indeed. And and as Aristotle said, when he defined politics as the community coming together to decide how to order its life, those questions, those bread and butter issues that you talked about, I mean, it's quintessential, right? I mean, I just, you know, who's going to pave the alley? What are we going to do with uh, blighted infrastructure? These things are, are right in that wheelhouse. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, um, you know, if you, if you think about, you know, in the before times when you'd have a day at the Capitol or something like that, and you'd be there with, you know, hundreds or maybe even thousands of your friends and neighbors, and you're, you want to weigh in on something that's really important to you, you, you just kind of look around and you realize the scale and the scope. And I'm just talking about your state government. If you come to a city council meeting, and at least in Jordan, we're a pretty small town of 6,400, you might be one of four or five people in the room that's not paid to be there, <laughs> you know, meaning your, you know, council or staff. And that really gives you a disproportionate voice uh, in in terms of, you know, your opinion, your opinion mattering. We had a gentleman last night that uh, was wondering why uh, his sidewalk hadn't been shoveled lately, which it had been shoveled by either the city or the school district for the past 22 years. Again, sounds a little sort of, you know, basic and and boring, but it sparked a really interesting five-minute conversation about who tends to the immediate needs of our community on a day-to-day basis. Quality of life issues that really make a difference. No one, you don't want anyone slipping and falling on your front sidewalk for All sure. Right. 
Uh, Mike, what's the best way for people to engage with and be informed about the goings-on at their at local government levels? I'm most familiar, obviously, with my city, with Jordan, but uh, I'm sure most cities operate, uh, and I'm, in fact, I know that most cities operate on a pretty similar basis. In Jordan, if you go to our website, jordanmn.gov, if you're, you don't have to be a resident, but if you are a resident and you want to get involved, you can sign up for newsletter links uh, for one of several of our standing committees in the city council. When you do that, you'll get a little alert with the council's agenda a few days before the council meetings. It's sort of the modern equivalent of posting the agenda up on the uh, door of City Hall, which, by the way, is still the only thing we are required to do to note, publicly notice our meetings. But obviously, we, we, we want to go further with that. It, it's a real basic thing, but getting a newsletter every two weeks from the city uh, that kind of tells you what issues are going to be discussed uh, at the council meeting gives you a sense of, of what we're doing on your behalf. Now, obviously, in this period of pandemic, We've made it a little more difficult to literally just show up and, and attend a meeting, which used to be, you know, kind of the, the basic way to, to be involved. We still allow you to do that, but we're going to space you out, make you wear a mask and things like that. My city and I think almost all cities stream their meetings live. In the current times, if, you know, we've made it very easy to send your public comments via email and the way that and we had to do this last night. But the, the way that we do it is instead of you standing up and giving your address and what you uh, kind of want to talk about, the mayor will just read those uh, out loud. And so it's it's kind of fun to kind of put on my acting hat and, and adopt somebody else's voice for a moment. But we're trying in this time to make it as easy as possible to be as involved as possible. And hopefully in a, you know, in a few weeks or months here, uh, we'll, we'll get back to something that's a little more normal. Indeed. Mike, most cities are not big cities. They're, they're smaller cities, uh, perhaps like Jordan. Uh, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that smaller cities like yours are facing? Thank you for that. You're right. Most cities are not big cities. And our city, it's not surprising. It comes down to money. And I think that's a pretty good problem. It comes down to resources of, of having to, uh, what I look at that as, is, is having to prioritize uh, a kind of a limited and hopefully uh, re- reasonable ask of our levy, of our taxpayers. You know, we, we kind of look at our needs and, and we, we set a levy that hopefully will allow us to do, I mean, truly the very basics. I mean, public safety, infrastructure, but also, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of folks, uh, including myself, who consider themselves conservatives who who want, quote, unquote, a smaller government. And I think that's appropriate. But at the local level, I, I ration that differently because I think the local level is where most people do expect your government to actually provide you with quality of life services. And when I say that, I mean like parks, you know, playground equipment, uh, maybe a swimming pool or an ice rink or something along those lines, those amenities that really do build community. You know, there's nothing inherently, you know, sort of wrong with that as somebody who, who considers themselves, you know, otherwise sort of small government, because these are, if you could tie back to my main point, these are the opportunities for you to come in and tell us what you think is important, you know, and, and, and where you'd put that on the spectrum of things that you want us to do. I mean, obviously, we're not going to build a swimming pool and, and lay off all the police uh, to pay for it. But, you know, there there is that, that opportunity to kind of help strike that balance of, providing ways for us all to come together at the same time as we're really focused on the on the very basic things. We're speaking today with Mike Franklin. He is the recently elected mayor of Jordan, Minnesota, but he's also a government affairs professional uh, and a Catholic at the Capitol. He works with Weber Johnson Public Affairs. Mike, switching gears from taking off your mayor's hat and now uh, your role as an advocate and uh, someone who works as a government relations professional, 
Tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. We've talked, uh, you know, we've had legislators on this program. We've had staffers. uh, We've had lobbyists. But your work is a little bit different in the sense it's a little bit broader in terms of just engaging issues and different constituencies to galvanize movements in a lot of ways around particular issues. Say a little bit about your work and and the type of things that you do as as a broader government relations professional than just a lobbyist. Sure, and thank you. And, and I'll I'll use uh, COVID to pivot. That you know, in some ways, you know, I'm, my firm, as you mentioned, is Weber Johnson Public Affairs. In some ways, we built this firm specifically for this era that we're currently in, uh, which is to say, an era where nobody can go to the Capitol. Um, I was an inside the Capitol lobbyist for some time, um, and for for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, found that a little bit limiting with uh, with what I wanted to accomplish, which is to win for my client. And so I got together with a couple of business partners three of them, all of whom happen to be Catholic. But what we want to build, what we are building, what we have built and, and want to build and, and, and succeed on behalf of our various clients is uh, is exactly what you describe as a bit of a surround sound. If you think of some of your legislative guests, we don't want them to think that, you know, Mike Franklin represents ABC Corporation, and therefore all things ABC Corporation should go to Mike Franklin as the lobbyist and sort of face for that that company. What I'd like to do for ABC Corp is build out constituents of that representative around them that live in the community. Uh, you know, again, back to my theme, you know, thinking and, and believing that the best advocacy, the best politics are local. You know, I want representative, uh, you know, uh, Johnson to be surrounded by people he already knows and trusts and who, you know, share the same, you know, local air and and water and and, uh, community that he does or she does and hear from uh, them on the impacts of ABC Corporation on on them. It's a sort of a, a few different theories all at once that that one, the Capitol is a very noisy place and it's hard to break through the noise. And the best way to break through the noise is by having a pre-existing relationship. And two, that the story is what legislators will remember. I mean, legislators, you know, especially now, are asked to be experts on so many things. But our theory is that what they, you know, what they may learn in terms of policy, they might also forget. But what they'll never forget is a story, especially a story from a constituent. So those are the, the core themes of what we try to build on behalf of our clients. Well, those are those are two important points, Mike. You mentioned closing the information gap for legislators and being a trusted resource to do that. We talk about the roles that lobbyists and public affairs professionals play, and they get a bad name. But when legislators need to cut through so many different issues and have command of so many different things, they need trusted sources of information. And uh, organizations and firms and actors such as yourself help them do that. But I also used a term earlier in our conversation, galvanize. And that's what really a lot of what you do is you galvanize community support and create community engagement around a particular issue for a client. And that's another thing that public affairs professionals do that's so important is there might be a lot of people out there who have a particular interest or need or desire, want to get something done, but don't know where to start. And so public affairs professionals such as yourself play an important role in that process and can help do that. And the key, thank you for that, and we hope to do that, and, and we've been successful as a firm. And, and it starts with, as, as you point out, understanding the process, right, understanding how uh, how the government works or it maybe doesn't work, depending on your perspective. But that starts from an understanding of how people work and, and how this is a people business. And so, you know, we have to work uh, towards educating people where they're at and, and understanding kind of how 
so-and-so got there, what's important to that person. And then, as you point out, galvanizing, bringing a few things together and making sort of something stronger than, uh, than, than it was before. You know, it's, it's, it's not surprising if the business on its own wants to weigh into the legislature, legislator rather, on the impact of a tax that disproportionately affects their business. Let's say we raise the, let's use the current issue. We're going to raise the minimum wage, uh, you know, to, to $15 an hour. And, and I'm not working on this, by the way, so I feel free to, to kind of spin a yarn here. Uh, it's, it wouldn't be surprising to hear from businesses that are affected by that. And, and you probably wouldn't be all that surprised with um, what they say. I mean, this is a fairly old and well-developed argument. What might be surprising is to hear not only from some employees, but maybe some of the employees' uh, 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 groups that they're involved with in their community. And what might make it even more powerful is to hear from a priest, from a leadership of a local uh, Lions or Rotary Club, from school teacher, uh, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm totally just making this up off the top of my head. But those, those folks have opinions on the issue. They're moral opinions, which is another element of this. That, that all, most stories, the best stories, have a moral to them. And that's what will be a powerful leave behind for the legislators. So when we, when we, we want to galvanize, we want to, we want to make it impactful uh, as well. And so that's what we try to do. Indeed, you got to win the story wars, as the title of that very famous book uh, says, if you want to be successful. And, and certainly it's not the case that people who want to work in politics or be citizen advocates, they don't need to pay a lobbyist or a government affairs professional, but it's helpful uh, to have people who know the three P's as uh, a friend of mine once called them, to know the people, the policy, and the process. And so that's one reason why people reach out to folks such as yourself and other government affairs professionals. It's certainly why the bishops of Minnesota pay me and our very fine staff uh, to know something, right? They're not public affairs professionals, and they need uh, leadership and counsel on those questions. And that's uh, people like us serve an important role in the political process. Well, I think so, and we certainly prefer that you pay us for this. Uh, you know, I've, I've got kids too, but but it, but I've had a fourth P, and unfortunately, we have to add it lately. It's politics, and 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 maybe a, a sub P, partisan politics. I mean, that, that is, it's gotten so complicated and and difficult to sort of start from the the place where we're at. You know, how, however, that's another thing that you, you, you know, if you, if you want to engage on an issue, you really have to have somebody on your team, whether you pay them or not, that, that really understands the current state of the parties and their relative, um, you know, their, their kind of relative power at, at, the, at the Capitol or wherever you're at. There's another P word, power. You said partisan and yeah. uh, political process. Uh, I like to add persuasive, principled, and passionate. We could go all day on the alliterations and in P's and words with Jason Atkins. P's and politics. Uh, yeah. There are plenty of them. Mike, what's the most rewarding thing that you've done uh, professionally related to public policy or public engagement? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I actually, that's a great question. And actually, I have an answer. Something instantly came to mind uh, back in, and this is going to be relevant today, too. Back in 20, I want to say 2013, uh, we were retained by a group that manages, um, the, the old name would be nursing homes, and that's still how probably most people uh, interact with nursing, with, with you know, senior care facilities, skilled nursing facilities, whatever you want to call them, assisted living. Um, there's a whole spectrum, but, you know, uh, just to use the parlance of nursing homes. And at that time, there was a, as now, there was a real frankly, a crisis with, with kind of how these things are managed. Uh, these, these facilities are managed in Minnesota uh, and elsewhere. And there's a, there's a lot of policy reasons for that. There's a lot of economic reasons for that. What we were able to do at that time on behalf of our client 
was uh, get out, and this is the thing I miss most, by the way, about the COVID world, but get out into these nursing homes and engage residents, their families, the businesses who support the, 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 the facilities in their communities. We're talking about lots of small towns, back to our point in Minnesota, where it, oftentimes the nursing home, if you will, is the biggest employer and is also the biggest customer of the grocery store or some of the restaurants, is the biggest uh, partner to the local medical facility and a, a community center in a, in a very real way. And we, we again, sort of brought this to life for the client, uh, looked at the legislative path for a 5% increase in the, in the rates uh, at that time, back in, almost 10 years ago now, but then set out to build little mini campaigns with, around these community centers. And it was, it was amazingly successful. Uh, the theory worked perfectly, and it was a, it was a perfect uh, synthesis of the, of the power, the politics, the principles, the people, all of, the, all of those Ps <laughs> that we just talked about. And, and, and it got settled in, in just over one year. We, you know, we took it from uh, basically a hard no from the legislative leadership to a successful bill passage and in a way that helped real people. You know, employees get a, get a raise, um, our seniors, our parents and grandparents uh, got better care uh, as a result. And, you know, fast forwarding to today, I mean, it turns out it, it's going to be needed again. It, it wasn't enough, uh, but it was at the time and it was um, it was as good as we could have hoped for. And it left a long lasting impression on me as a professional, but also just as a as a as a human. Wonderful. Mike, can you share just a, a little bit about how your faith gives you bread for the journey and the difficult and challenging work you do in both at the Capitol and then in your time in public service in Jordan? And I'm happy to do it because I. I, I think, I, and I don't know if this is, you know, we don't need to get really personal, but, you know, I, I spent a fair amount of my, you know, younger adult years probably not being as, as, as good a practicing Catholic. Well, I'll just be blunt. I barely went to church. I, I, I didn't really think about religion and, and God and Jesus and, and, and it, let alone the, the, the church uh, very much at all. Through a variety of things, I, I, I came back to the faith. I, I'm a very actively practicing Catholic now. What it does best for me and what I've since become somewhat of an I'm still a Minnesotan, so I, I, I'm not very bold with, uh, with personal things, but uh, <laughs> so we're opening a vein here. But, but where, it's, where it's given me something uh, personally and professionally, uh, li- listen to all these keywords, because I'm going to hit another one, is perspective. Hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that by bringing in my personal life, when things get out of control, when I can have a quiet moment to just pray and meditate, it, it, it helps me cut through the clutter. I mean, almost back to the, the, the analogy with cutting through the clutter with the legislator. But in, in, in advising my clients, I have found that keeping things, as you pointed the word, you know, there's an old word, order, keeping things in the right order. Uh, I find that good moral people kind of all do similar things, and, and pr- the practice of the faith helps me put things in the right priority uh, for people who I can tell are, are, are and which is, by the way, as you well know, most people in politics are, are, are good moral people who really want the right things. They, they're in this for the right things. Uh, we can relate to them, and we can put things in the proper perspective. And my, my much more active practice of my faith in the past 10 to 15 years has really um, 
made that a sharpened tool in my toolkit. I don't always think of it that way. I shouldn't think of it that way. But it, but it nonetheless is true that, you know, putting things in the right perspective and order in my life has helped me become a better advocate for my clients and a, and a better counselor uh, to my clients. And at the expense of using another P word, problem solver. And that's, uh, and that's what we're paid to do, be a problem solver. Mike Franklin, Mayor of Jordan, know of our prayers for you and that important work of public service. Thank you, thanks for sharing your wisdom about the political process today on The Bridge Builder. God bless you and your work. I appreciate it, Jason. Thank you, and God bless you, too. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Atkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to jump into the mailbag. Kit, what's in this week's edition? A couple weeks ago, we had a guest on, a local Catholic mom who is a recipient of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. And we had a question from someone kind of following up on that discussion. She said that she heard one of her representatives is actually working on a bill that would change terminology that is used to refer to migrants. She wanted to know more about this change and why does it even matter? Well, the, what the change would do was would change the terminology used in statutes to refer to undocumented persons and immigrants. It would, rather than saying alien or illegal, it would change it to undocumented. And we know that sometimes uh, language that wasn't offensive or made sense decades ago doesn't always make sense today. Language changes, how things are received changes. But at the same time, as we engage in immigration debate, and we talk about folks, uh, the most 11 million in our midst in this country, who are challenged by the continued uh, broken immigration system, the inability of Congress to come to some sort of resolution on that, and as we talk about policy initiatives and solutions related to undocumented persons, we want to be talking about them in a way that upholds their human dignity. Uh, no one really is an alien uh, and shouldn't be referred to people like that, especially in a time when, when aliens and things of that nature and space is not science fiction. It's, it's something that's talked about in regular parlance. And so we don't want to treat people and speak to people like that in our public policy. We want to uphold their human dignity. And that's what the church does is advocate for people's life and dignity. And so when we're talking about persons who need our support and who need our welcome as strangers in our midst. We want to refer to them in a way that underscores that basic human dignity and not something that connotes something else. And I think it goes back to what's our own identity and who are we. Is our fundamental identity as a citizen of the United States and is our uh, understanding of the other person, the immigrant, as an alien, someone who's not a citizen, or are we fundamentally children of the same father? And that's our fundamental identity, and that's how we should view the prism of our relationships as children of the one Father. We're members of the body of Christ. They're members or potential members of the body of Christ. Let's uphold their dignity, and statutes and public policy should reflect that basic sense of human dignity. And getting our words right, getting our terms right, really matters and helps frame the issue in a better and more effective way. Great. Thanks, Jason. And before we go, what do you have in this week's bricklayer segment? How can people start taking action, maybe right in their own communities, like Mike was talking about? Well, the majority of work that we do at Minnesota Catholic Conference is at the state or federal level. Um, but as we discussed with our guest today, Jordan's Mayor Mike Franklin, there is great importance for Catholics to be tuned into the decisions being made right in their local communities. Oftentimes, those issues have a bigger impact on people's day-to-day -day quality of life 
than what goes on at the Capitol. So for this week's bricklayer action, we encourage each of our listeners to find out one issue that is being discussed and debated in your local town, uh, county, or neighborhoods. There's even neighborhood councils uh, in a lot of places. Oftentimes, the best way to find out what's going on is to check your local newspaper. And when I mean local, that could be a community newspaper um, that are often circulating in our cities, but also in our communities. I live in St. Paul, and there are multiple community newspapers. Uh, I get two of them. Many towns and cities also have Facebook pages or city websites where you can get email updates. Council meetings are now live streamed. You can join on Zoom. Uh, Tune into a council meeting, for example, and let your lawmakers know what the needs are in your local community. We also want to quickly remind all of our listeners to make sure to get your tickets for Catholics at the Capitol. Uh, You can engage at the state Capitol. You don't have to be a lobbyist. You don't have to be paid. Uh, You can show up and talk to your legislators about important issues, and we create a space called Catholics at the Capitol for you to get that experience. If we want people to be faithful citizens, we got to give them tangible opportunities to do so. You don't want to miss this incredible day filled with prayer, education, and advocacy. Join us in St. Paul on April 15th. Get your tickets at thecatholicsofthecapital.org. That's all the time we have for today. For everyone listening on your podcast app, make sure to follow or subscribe so you always know when a new episode comes out. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Share your ideas for the Bricklayer segment or send us your questions for the mailbag. You can leave us a comment on the episode, connect with us on social media, or email us at show at mncatholic.org. Thanks for tuning in to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest. More of your comments and questions and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins of Rakitsipinia, the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Thanks for listening and blessings on your day.